Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. This is Tom Nettles. Welcome to this edition of The Doctrinal Component. We're looking at a passage of scripture in Luke 9, 9, seeking to explore some of the doctrinal implications of Jesus' discussion with his disciples on the occasion of their having confessed that he is the Christ of God. Verse 23, we see the, hear the words of Jesus after he has talked about his own rejection. He begins to focus his language concerning his rejection in the direction of the thing that will happen to those who follow him, his disciples. The text says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Although they could not perceive it at this time, it was only after the death of Jesus and the resurrection that he has just predicted that the prophets could be fulfilled, that those prophets that talked about the glory that would be brought in by Christ, uh, the redemption of Judah, uh, his dominance over all nations. None of that could have come to pass in the way that it is predicted had there not been a redemptive death. It is this part that those scribes and the lovers of the law of God, the Pharisees, it is this part that they missed. And so they could not understand the humble state of Jesus Christ, though in his actions and in his words he demonstrated very clearly that he indeed was a man of omnipotent power, a man of great glory, a man of infinite knowledge, and a man of perfect confidence as to his relationship with the Scripture and with the Father. It was only after his death and resurrection that prophecies like Joel 2, 28 through 3, 21 could come to pass. They wanted judgment and glory now. But had that been the case, it would have been fatal for all if redemption had not preceded. For example, let's just look at some of the phrases that we find in this passage in Joel, where the promise is, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, in verse 28. Well, that would not have happened had there been no redemptive work. There would have been no redemptive work for the spirit to apply. There would have been no possibility of a new people of God built upon regeneration if the redemptive work had not been done. Another phrase, I will show wonders in the heaven and earth. Here, Jesus or Joel is referring by prophecy 
to the work of the apostles, the miraculous ministries of the apostles, the wonders that they did and the healings that they did and how even the, the shadow of Peter as he passed through the street would have a healing power. That would never have happened unless the redemptive work of Jesus had been done. The phrase, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Well, there would be no salvation. There would be no calling of the Lord without this redemptive work. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 of Joel say, I will bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. I will also gather all nations. Though this refers immediately and literally to the bringing back of the captives uh, to inhabit the land again after their captivity, uh, figuratively and typologically, it refers to the reality that there's going to be a new people of God built, and he will gather all nations, people from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. But that would never have happened without the redemptive work. Joel three twelve and 14 says, There I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Well, this judgment both according to works and according to the saving knowledge that the Lord has of his people, would never have taken place apart from the redemptive work. This judgment of the Son is that which he has gained by right of his redemptive work. Verse 16 of chapter 3 of Joel says, The Lord will be a shelter for his people. In other words, in this judgment, he is the one who will shelter them from the condemning aspect of the judgment. But could that happen unless there had been forgiveness of sins? Could there, that happen without redemption? No, not at all. Verses 17 and 20 say, You shall know that I am the Lord your God. Then Jerusalem shall be holy. Judah shall abide forevermore. This means that the people of God will not any longer be disobedient. They will be forgiven. They will be indwelt by the Spirit. They will come to complete sanctification. In the, at the time of this judgment, they will be free from the presence and the possibility uh, of and the power of sin. And they will abide forevermore in the presence of this Redeemer. But none of that could happen without redemption. And in verse 21 of chapter 3 of Joel, we read, I will acquit them of the guilt of bloodshed, whom I had not acquitted, for the Lord dwells in Zion. This acquittal, this justification, could never have happened had the Messiah not been a Redeemer. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of The Doctrinal Component. We will pick up here in our next edition. <laughs>